Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we play stock up, stock down. We react to Ryan Day's most recent press conference. We debate who Ohio State's second biggest rival is. And Eric interviews listener John Lynn. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? I'm proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from bitter, cold, and yes, snowy, north central Ohio, where I am joined by Chris and Nick, who are both in these bitter temperatures and snow-fested 
North Central Ohio with me. How are you doing tonight, Chris? All I want to know is what happened to my sunshine in 70s, Eric. I uh, wanted to get out there and play a little golf this weekend. You know, I had the weekend off just planning to kick back and relax. And, man, it was snowing. snowing. That's not cool. Snowing. Yes. We're talking about snowing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I'm okay with snowing during the football season, but not during spring practice. Yeah. I don't not, need it then. Not cool. Nick, how's it going for you this weekend, my man? Doing great, man. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. All right, guys. As always, we want to remind all of you that the OHIO podcast is brought to you by SpireCleveland.com. That's Spire. If you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. Aspire, you'll train to be the best, whether you're drawn to the pool, track, map, basketball, quarter, gaming controller. We provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. Again, that's SpireCleveland.com. All right. The uh, Ohio State University hosted the, their pro day this past week, and – we have to talk about some of the results here, guys, because there are some interesting things we need to do. So when we do this, we play the game stock up, stock down, or stock the same, meaning this. After their pro day, did their stock rise? Are they going to get a better draft spot? Did they hurt their draft spot and probably uh, are going to be going down in the draft, or are they the same? Let's start with the wide receiver who was a walk-on, Chris Booker, who did not get invited to the NFL Combine, but had his opportunity to uh, show the NFL scouts what he could do. Of course, he applied for an additional year of eligibility through the NCAA and was not granted that extra year. And so his only choice now is to go ahead and try to play uh, in the NFL at the next level. He's a 5'11", 184-pound receiver. Again, was the backup, backup wide receiver. So I wasn't expecting a ton, but here's how he performed in his 40, 40 yard dash. He got a 4.52, a vertical jump of 36 inches, a broad jump of nine feet, nine inches, a 20 yard shuttle time of 2.63 seconds, a 10 yard split of 1.6 seconds. His agility was 4.13 seconds, and he did a 7.01 seconds on the three cone drill. Chris, I will start with you since he's got your name stock up stock down or about the same as, as you expected. Well, Eric, for me, I think he was kind of about what we expected. I think he was a long shot to be drafted to begin with. I think for him to make his way into the draft, he probably had to really go out and show himself. His numbers weren't bad, but he didn't blow anybody's socks off. As I said, the odds were against him to begin with, but you know what? This is the club kid who made the team. So correct. Yeah, he's, he's he's kind of our Han Solo. Never tell him the odds. <laughs> there you go. There but, you go. Yeah, I I think that he's probably the same. I think he goes undrafted. Maybe catches almost somebody after as an under, unsigned free agent, but if not, I think he's got himself a promising career in the XFL or Canada. Yeah, maybe even the USFL next year, or like yeah. you said, Canadian Football League. It's a possibility. Nick, what about you on Chris Booker? Stock up, down, or the same? Um, I'm going to go stock down. I think he's going to end up in a subpar league to the NFL. I don't think – I mean, he wasn't a standout when he was playing 
for us, right. you know. He I, was yeah. basically a special teamer. Right. Yeah. I, and, you know, if you're looking for that type of a guy, I mean, then that's, you know, then that could be your guy, a guy with solid hands who's not going to muff punts. You know, go for it if you don't want your receivers out there getting hurt. Um, but I don't I, I honestly don't think he's going to even get on our side after draft day. OK, let's go to the defensive side and talk about Haskell Garrett. Six two, three hundred pounds was his measurables this past Wednesday. He did 24 reps of 225 pounds on the bench press. A vertical jump of 30 inches, 30 and a half inches, which is pretty good. Broad jump, nine feet. Uh, he did the agility of 4.8 seconds, and did, he also did the three cone at 7.75 seconds. I was uh, pleasantly surprised he did this many things at his pro day workout. And I think that's because um, maybe he didn't have the showing at the uh, combine that you know we were he was looking for, and maybe heard some. Uh, team say we want to see you again, so he he showed out a little bit more here at the pro day. Stock up, down, or the same, Chris, on Haskell the Rascal uh, Garrett. You know, with Haskell, I think that he's probably still around the same. I mean, he did do 24 reps on the bench, like you mentioned. That he didn't do that at the combine. He did improve his vertical by six and a half inches, but I think we all know his true talent lies in his intangibles, his drive, his leadership, his football IQ. Uh, you know, I had him coming in as a mid-round pick. I think that's probably where he's still at. Uh, he could slip into a third-round pick with, I think, either the Broncos or Browns, who love to take those uh, Ohio State defenders. But otherwise, I think realistically, probably a fourth-round pick. So I think his stock is right around the same. Okay. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think there, Nick, on Haskell or Rascal Garrett? Up, down, or the same? I think he improved. Did you? Um, I think what he did at the combine, not, I mean, by improve, I mean, I personally think he may have moved himself into the third round. Okay. Um, you know, it, what's very, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what, you know, a question could be, why is, why is a defensive lineman doing a vertical jump, right? Why would mm -hmm. the NFL care about that? Well, those six and a half inches, just showed that he could get up and pretty much block any pass coming over his head. And if I'm not mistaken, did he not have a, a block, a, a kick uh, block at one point? He blocked, I think, yes, like did. three yeah, in his Ohio several. State career. And then if I'm not mistaken, and I would have to recheck the stats on it, but I'm pretty sure he was in the top five of pass deflections as well. Okay. I'm going stock up on this one. Yeah. And I, I just I, – I, I've been looking at mock drafts, and he is consistently been fourth round, and now I'm starting to see him creep in the third. And after this past Wednesday, I saw one mock draft on actually draftcountdown.com where they have him being picked uh, as the sixth pick of the third round um, to Jacksonville. So I think there's mm. a chance that he's climbing, guys. He's climbing. I heard a heard some. Uh, yeah, a I, bit I just of a, don't see him going that high. I mean, I love the guy, Eric. I do. One of my favorite Buckeyes ever. I, you know, I think if he does go third round, it's either like I said to the Broncos or Browns. Both love the the Ohio State defenders. Both have two third round picks. I could see him going either ninety six to uh, Denver or ninety nine to the Browns. 
All right, let's keep it on the defensive front here. Let's talk a little Antoine Jackson, six foot, 298 pounds. He did a 40 yard dash time of 5.15 seconds. That's that's moving for a big boy there. Bench press, 22 reps, vertical jump, 28 inches, broad jump, seven feet, 10 inches. Uh, Again, all of these are not nearly as good as what Haskell Garrett did. So another feather in the cap for Haskell the Rascal. 20-yard shuttle, 2.91 seconds. 10-yard split of 1.75 seconds. Pro agility of 4.9 seconds. Three-cone drill, 7.94 seconds. Chris, stock up, down, or the same for defensive tackle Antoine Jackson? You know, I actually think his stock is down. First of all, you mentioned that 5.15, which for a big guy is a decent time. But at the same time, NFL defensive linemen average between a four eight and a five, so a little bit slower than your average. His broad jump was limited. His his vertical was limited as by comparison. I thought the twenty two reps was less than impressive. Yeah, that um, that wasn't that great. Yeah. So as I look at it, you know, this kid I think had a lot of upside, and and we saw some good film on him. But I think his actual performance Wednesday drops him. Uh, I really think that he was probably a late, late round, most likely undrafted coming in. I think he's probably still undrafted coming out. But I do think someone will take a shot on him. Okay. Uh, Nick, your thoughts? Antoine Jackson. Um, I think his stock improved just a little bit. Um you know, I'm not sure what round that really means he's going to be going in. Um, however, though, with his 40 speed of even being, you know, a 5-5 guy, um, NFL teams like to use um, former d- college defensive linemen who are his build and transform them into linebackers um, that can play like that stand-up hybrid defensive end, you know, um, to get at the quarterback. So, I mean, I think that re- kind of improved his stock. But um, I'd say more or less he probably stayed right, right around the same, if not improved just a tad bit. He's either going to be uh, very late in the draft or he's going to be picked up as a free agent. So I would say stayed the same for him. Let's go with uh, Super Demario McCall. <laughs> Five, 979 pounds, 40-yard dash time of 4.53 seconds. That was not as fast as I thought he was. Bench press, he did 13 reps. Um, vertical jump, 34 and a half inches. Broad jump, 10 feet. 20-yard shuffle, 2.6 seconds. 10-yard split of 1.57 seconds. Agility of 4.13 seconds and did the three-cone drill in 7.09 seconds. Super Demario McCall, former five-star recruit. Never really did much at Ohio State, but at the end of the day, his greatest contribution was in the Rose Bowl halftime, and I still think that that will be remembered for a long, long time. Chris, stock up, down, same. What do you think about DeMario? You know, given his size, I think he really had to show out in order to improve his stock, and his numbers weren't bad, but they were nothing to write home about. Uh, I think he's probably the same. He could get a look in the seventh round. But to me, he feels like an undrafted free agent. Uh, I do think that due to his athleticism, his versatility, his experience in a high level program and his promise on special teams, he is going to be a risk. Someone may be willing to take. So like I said, maybe a seventh rounder, honestly, 
I think he's undrafted. Look for him maybe to land with maybe a Mike Rabel in Tennessee or Carolina. Hmm. Uh, you know, they like to take guys off of the Ohio State scrap heap. Uh, I could see him going to one of those two places. Definitely being on a practice squad with an opportunity to earn some playing time. He is from the Cleveland area, my man. So maybe the Browns give him a look. Uh, of course, the Bengals might give him a look because they love Buckeyes. Nick, what do you think, man? The Mario McCall. Oh, I think he said about the same. Okay. Which is what? Seventh, sixth, seventh, or undrafted? What do you think? Six. I think. Six? Okay. Yeah, I six, seventh, undrafted. I mean, either one of those, I, you know. Here's one for you guys. Uh, offensive lineman Thayer Munford, six five and uh, a half inches. Excuse me, six foot five inches and five and a half inches on his height. Three hundred twenty nine pounds is what he came in weighing. His forty yard dash time was five point thirty three seconds. Bench press twenty two reps. Broad jump nine foot. Twenty yard shuffle three point oh eight seconds. Ten yard split one point nine seconds. Uh, pro agility of four point seventy seven seconds. Did three cone in seven point seven four seconds. Uh, Chris. I think he hurt his stock. We've talked about this after yes. coming back this year, moving over to guard. Did he help his stock out with this performance? I, I don't know. I don't think he did. In fact, I think he possibly may have hurt himself a little. That five three three is not a great time. I thought, again, 22 reps on the bench for, for an offensive lineman is not overly impressive to me either. Uh you know, that was the downside. However, you mentioned his three-cone time and his 20-yard shuttle times. Those did help him a little bit. Uh, it shows he's got some burst. It shows that his, his footwork and agility are something that can be worked with. Uh, so strength and overall speed, I think he hurt himself. Burst and agility showed pretty well. Uh, you know, he has some good game from, from Ohio State. I think that's going to help him. However... Most of that good game film comes from a year ago. Uh, he was dinged up a little bit this past season. Like I said, the shift to guard kind of exploited his lack of that overall athleticism at times. For me, I, I think I think if he would have gone before last year, he's probably a late first, early second rounder. Right now, I feel like he's slipped all the way down to possibly a day three guy. Oh, yeah. He's 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 he's, he's, he's not fourth, fifth round three, at this point. Even. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he stayed the same. And I think he's sitting in the middle of the fourth round at this moment. Yeah. I think that's the best he's going to get. Nick, your thoughts on Thayer Munford? Um, I think he kind of maybe hurt his stock out of the fourth round down into the fifth. All right. Let's yeah. keep it on. Let's keep it on the offensive line. Uh, Nicholas Petit Frere, 6'5", 316 pounds. He did 24 reps on the bench press. Had a vertical of 30 and a half inches. Uh, agility of 4.85 seconds. Did the three cone in 7.85 seconds. Chris, stock up, down, or the same after that perform- performance for NPF. Well, uh, 24 reps, a little bit better. Uh, you know. Did improve his vertical by over six inches more than he had in Indianapolis. Uh, he has some great game film as well. You know, I think that this day probably probably helped him possibly just a little bit. Um, he has tremendous upside. This is the one thing. 
I think with Theo Mumford, we've seen his ceiling. I think Ferrer has a better upside. Uh, you know, obviously, he had some rough games versus Penn State and, and that team up north. I'd hope to see him go as a day one guy in that first round. I don't think that happens. Uh, the pro the pro day didn't get him there. The combine didn't get him there. I do think he goes to a, somebody in the second round. Late second, uh, if he gets himself a good NFL line coach, I really think the kid is got unlimited talent. Mm-hmm. So I think he did help himself a little bit, not a lot, but I do think he maybe was late second, early third. I'm going to go with solid mid to late second at this point. Nick, NPF. Um, I think he improved his stock um, for me. Um, and it's just what has gone on with free agency recently has triggered a lot of things um, mm-hmm. and, and triggered a lot of different draft positions um, where a lot of teams have signed, uh, like the Cincinnati Bengals have signed offensive linemen who looked to maybe have taken um, you know, some old linemen in the draft. So, I mean, I could see him going in the third, um, fourth round where I was seeing him going in the set high, you know, like second round, maybe slipping into the third. Um, so, I mean, realist, I could see him. I think it's about the same. It just depends on the team's needs when they come to him and who's already been taken. Right. I, I, I kind of agree. I think uh, his stock is about the same. I think he was a second day or a second day pick second or third round um, based off team needs. Like you're saying, Nick, I could see him going to someone like uh, the Colts in the second round or the Cowboys in the second round. If he slips all the way to the end of the second round and Cincinnati's setting, sitting there looking for another offensive lineman, I would say Cincinnati should jump on that. Cause I think NPF at no worse at no worse could be your third best tackle on your team and could step in there. And I don't think he steps in as a, as a, a starting tackle to begin the you know, his NFL career. But if after given what they've picked up in free agency, I believe there's a possibility of them picking him up and developing him. So, uh, and he's a good talent. I mean, he was a former five star as well. So the, the, the kid has obviously performed uh, his whole his whole life pretty well. Took him a couple years to get there for Ohio State, but when he started, when he started, he did really really well. Outside of the the game in Ann Arbor, I don't think there was a game he did not play well. So, I would have to agree. So, I, I think that that could be a steal for Cincinnati late in the second. All right, let's see who's up next. Let's talk about. Defensive end Tyreek Smith, who had an interesting comment about how that he, uh, following his pro day, was still glad he decided to go pro, uh, despite the fact that a lot of mock drafts don't have him being picked up until later in the draft. And he did have one more year of eligibility to play at Ohio State if he wanted it. Uh, he's 6'3", 255 pounds. He did a broad jump of 9 feet 9 inches. He has agility of 4.24 seconds and did the three cone in 7.06 seconds. Chris, Tyreek Smith, stock up, down, or the same? Well, I'll tell you, I think this young man helped himself again. I really do. Uh, you know, he had amazing numbers in the combine that I think we've talked about and it surprised us all. 
you know, he had a what a four eight six forty time at the combine, thirty four on that vertical, which you know very good. Uh, actually, out out did Chris Olave at the at the combine in the vertical. Um, you know what? These times that he had at the pro day, if you look at it, he nearly matched Master Teague and Chris Booker in that three cone drill time. His his shuttle run was only point eleven point one one seconds slower than Demario McCall. So for me, you know, Teague or like uh, like Master Teague, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Maybe he's a guy who is built for the combine, so to speak. Um, you know, you've heard a lot of athlete former athletes like a Bobby Carpenter will talk sometimes about guys who are just built for the combine, right? Uh, and maybe it's not a true showing of what they are. But to me, I think that built for the combine or not, this guy was a guy coming in who I was thinking sixth, seventh round originally. I think he's moved up to a solid fourth round pick at this point. I really do. You really especially up high, especially if you have a team that is in bad need of a pass rush, say, uh, you know, the Raiders are a perfect example, bad need of a pass rusher. I could see them definitely taking a flyer on this guy in the in the fourth round so for me tyreek smith both combine and pro day has massively improved his draft stock nick what do you think of tyreek smith um i think it remained the same um i think the only thing that would have saved his draft stock or improved it would have been to come back to ohio state for another year Mm -hmm. um urban said it multiple times about quarterbacks and I don't and I don't think the rule just applies to the quarterback position I think it applies to every position out on that field you need reps and reps aren't practice reps they aren't showing what you could do at the combine or at your pro day you need reps on the field because uh, that's where you're I mean that's what carries Chase Young in his you know in his in the NFL not only his talent but you know, what he, you know, the reps that he took on the field, the knowledge that he has of situations and the awareness he has. And I think for Tyree Smith, that was the only thing he could have done to improve his draft stock. Uh, I I agree. I think we're getting a, a third day vibe from him, but it's definitely four or fifth round. I've seen some mock drafts on the six, but he is climbing and it is because his stock is rising because of what he has shown in both the NFL combine and now had his pro day. Um, all right, now let's talk about these receivers, shall we? And we'll start with the tight end, Jeremy Ruckert. He measures in at 6'5", 251 pounds, did 22 reps on the bench press and uh, decided to just cut it off there. He's been limited due to his uh, foot injury that he suffered in the senior bowl uh, this past January. And I'm afraid that that has really hurt his draft stock um, because he's not been able to show what he can do. Now, he's got great film, but is someone willing to take a flyer on him despite the fact he's not been able to show those measurables in the combine and now at his pro day? Chris, Jeremy Rucker, is his stock falling? Uh, you know what? I think he did hurt himself by not being able to run either at the combine or here. Uh, you know, coming coming off the season, I thought this guy had the potential to be the first tight end off the board. Uh, 
Uh, you know, he's got good size, good speed, moves well, blocks well. Uh, you know, he's kind of an undersized offensive lineman with a wide receiver skill set in many ways. Uh, and that's going to be appealing to NFL teams. So I don't think he's dropped too far by not being able to come out and, and show what he's got. I do think he's dropped a little. Like I said, I originally thought definitely, you know, one of the top two guys off the board of the tight end position. I thought he had a chance to be the first. That lingering foot injury has definitely affected his draft status. You know, I originally thought possibly high second round. Uh, I think that's slipped a little. I do think he's still a day two guy. I think he slides late second, possibly third round. Um, but I do still think he's one of the top, you know, three or four tight ends off the board. Nick, you agree? Disagree? Disagree. Um, I mean, I think uh, Ohio State's not. We're not. We've. We're not going to put a top two round tight end into the league. Um, that's you know it, our offense just as a run through like a tight end position like the Iowa offense typically runs through. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they're featured in their offense. Florida does a good job of you know. Um, featuring tight ends in their offense, same kind of with Georgia a little bit. Um, however, though, with Jeremy Rucker, I mean, I still think he just stayed the same. Um, the film, to me, is what you really need. Um, I, I, I heard a lot of NFL GMs now are getting away from what these guys are showing them in the combine and more or less looking at what they're going to give you on tape and through film uh, just because – like you know, like they like Chris said earlier, people are, can be built just for the combine, you know, because they can do a forty foot vertical leap, right? But that doesn't mean that's going to translate well in game in the NFL. So, and I think Jeremy Rucker's game translates very well for what NFL teams will need him to do: block, get off those blocks, and be able to catch the ball. And he can do all of those things. So, um, I think he still stays the same at like a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick. If he falls to the fourth round, I think that is an absolute steal for somebody. I think Jeremy Ruckert's got the skill set to be a very successful pro for many, many years and maybe even knock on the door as a Pro Bowl tight end. I think he's that good. He just was in the wrong offense, like you said, Nick. But I feel like this, these, uh, these, this injury – given the fact that he's very limited in what he can show them now is hurting his stock and it is falling. I thought for sure he was going to be a second round pick. Um, I think he's fallen to the end of third and he might be even falling maybe even to the third day. And if that's the case, I think someone is going to get an absolute steal in him. Now let's talk about our first round picks. Shall we? Um, You've got Garrett Wilson. You got Chris Olave. Uh, Chris Olave, six foot, 185 pounds. Didn't do anything other than just run routes and catch football. And you've got Garrett Wilson, 5'11, 184 pounds. Did the exact same thing as Olave. Both are going to be first round picks. That's almost guaranteed. Um, they're not hurting their stock from doing this. Yes or no, Chris? Oh, no. They didn't hurt their stock at all. Uh, this was just a, a basic workout for them. That's all this was. 
letting people know how Chris Bay could run a route. Uh, you know, we already saw the sub 40 times at the combine. We know what these guys are. These guys are, I think, two of the top four receivers off the board. And I'm not sure what order they go in. Um, but I think these guys definitely both first round guys. I think that Olave even improved his stock more at the combine where I think Wilson at, at first had the clear edge. I think at this point it's 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 one and one A. You couldn't go wrong going with either of them. They didn't hurt anything by doing this. I'll tell you what they did do. Boy, they let CJ Stroud turn some heads is what they did do hey, yesterday. Sh- we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm t- that that and let me tell you what, there was another Ohio State former quarterback there who uh looked awful good too, but uh Yeah, get your yeah. twelve gauge out. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, he looked like he could still throw that ball right through somebody. Yeah. No, they didn't hurt anybody or hurt themselves at all. These guys are both legitimate top half of the first round picks. Nick, your thoughts on our pair of receivers? Um, I'm gonna, so they improved their stock. And what do, what do I mean by they improved? Because you can't improve really by being out of the first round improving when you're Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson is solidifying your stock, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have all the film on both of these guys in the world. You see them inside. You've seen them outside. You've seen them catch the ball in traffic. You've seen the, you know, the catching ability of going up over a receiver. You've seen the over the shoulder. You've seen the catch and speed out of both of them, right? Uh, what, they did in their pro day to me if i was an nfl gm was yep i saw it on film i've seen it in person that's all i needed to see that's our guy um and and to me that's what they did um because i when you're watching him it's like oh oh i've seen that he could take that to the house if this guy misses this tackle you know what i'm saying like that's what i saw under their pro day at least I'm hearing, yeah, and I agree. I think this stays the same. I, 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 they're, they're, yeah, everything you guys said. Um, I'm hearing Washington is all over Garrett Wilson. If he's there at 11, they're going to snatch him. Could you imagine Terry McLaren and Garrett Wilson together? That's a lot of speed, man. Woo! <laughs> all you need is someone who can get him the football, right? And, and with the way that defense has been improving. You know, led by Chase Young, uh, could be smart on their end. Um, all right. Uh, I've also been hearing um, possibly Chris Olave to Green Bay and later in the first round. Uh, that's probably going to happen since Green Bay got traded Devontae Adams. Right, right. Uh, so, you think he lasts all the way to Green Bay is the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not Pittsburgh. I could see Pittsburgh getting them at 20 because uh, Juju Smith-Schuster just signed with um, Kansas City after Kansas City traded away Tyreek Hill. So that could be a landing spot for Chris Olave as and that, well. Think, Pittsburgh's going quarterback. Though, well, well, well no, not. not necessarily. No, what not. if Baker Mayfield ends up there, dude? No, they're they're not going to take Baker. The, the Haslam or the Rooney family is not. They're not going to take Baker. Cle- but and, Cle- and Cleveland would sit on Baker for a year before letting him go to the con- 
Could you, not, could you not imagine Baker Mayfield coming back in wearing that those colors, man, against your team? No, oh, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh man, it'd be hilarious. Uh, it'd be funny to watch him lose. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give Chris any more nightmares here, um, or Aaron apparently. <laughs> oh shoot! All right, let's talk about the the Jazz of the Pro Day, and that was one running back. Master Teague did not get invited to the NFL Combine, and boy, did he put up some sick, sick numbers. And when he was doing this in his shorts with no shirt on, everybody was just like, "Is does this guy have any fat at all on him? He looked like a superhero, man. He built like an absolute Mack truck. 5'11". 221 pounds, a 40-yard dash of 4.44 seconds, did 27 reps on the bench press, had a vertical jump of 36, broad jump of 10 feet 11 inches, 20-yard shuttle of 2.59 seconds, did a 10-yard split of 1.54 seconds, agility of 4.29 seconds, and and a three-cone drill of 6.95 seconds. It's impressive. Now, where was this? In the last couple of years, Master Teague has dealt with some serious injuries over the past couple of years that has really kept him from the field and also given others opportunity to become the lead rushing uh, duo or lead rusher at Ohio State. That being said, it was not expected for Master Teague to be drafted at all. But given these numbers, did he improve his stock well enough for somebody to take a flyer on him at the end of the draft, Chris? Oh, absolutely. I mean, come on. This guy is a freak. And, Nick, I, you know, I, I, you and I have commented on posts here. I know you're a bit of a wrestling fan. This guy came out there looking like Big Papa Pump, man. This guy was just vicious. Uh, yeah, he was brutal, just big, huge, just crushed the numbers. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, somebody maybe he's built for the combine. Maybe it's the fact that he's had all these injuries. But I, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of four four forty out there on the field when he was in the scarlet and gray, man. That that's just amazing to me. Front line uh, A to B speed, running straight. He is yeah. fast as could be. It's his agility that's always been the issue. But he even tested well in the agility that you know, I mean, he had just great numbers. Um injury's obviously a concern. I'll tell you right now, after the pro day he had if it were anybody else who hadn't had the nagging injuries the last few years, I would have taken this guy from undrafted to the fourth round. Literally. Uh, at this point, yeah, I think he goes possibly, uh, you know, he could go anywhere between the fifth and sixth round, I think, at this point, given the, the, what he did at the pro day. I thought he had definitely he and I still think uh, Tyreek Smith, I think they both did so much for themselves at this Ohio State Pro Day, uh, you know, that they've really improved their their draft stock. Nick, what do you think? Chris, I love your Homer your Homer attitude. I really do, and I wish our boy Kirk Herbstreit had a little bit more of it. But unfortunately, Master Teague is his draft stock has stayed the same. Um. He's not. I don't believe he will be drafted. He put up great numbers 
you can train for these things. Um, you can, you know, run these drills over and over to improve your time uh, to make it look good for the scouts, right? Uh, which is really, you know, you want to impress them, um, you know, and that's what they're looking at. So, um, you know, I mean, you can do all that. However, though, Eric, you said where was the, all this when he was wearing the scarlet and gray? You said it right after he was injured. Mm-hmm. And that's – and and – Unfortunately, the lifespan of a running back in the NFL is anywhere from five to seven years. You get right. five to seven years of on a good, good one. On a good, on a good run. Yeah. And, and and I'm talking Zeke. Right. Like like we're talking Zeke, and he was only he was a top five NFL running back for six straight seasons, and then fell off. And that's and it's the hits and the durability and the it's the hits that you take. And Master Teague is just not durable enough, unfortunately. Um, and I th- and I don't think that the NFL scouts or anybody is going to be able to look past that. He may, you know, somebody may go, "Hey, we're going to give you a shot here in the training camp," you know, um, as an un- as an undrafted uh, free agent. But I don't I don't think he'll hear his name called on draft days. So according to the NFL draft buzz, he went from being ranked 31st overall running back in this draft and going undrafted to now being ranked 25th. So he improved his positional rank by six. Is that good enough to get drafted? I don't think so. I still think he goes undrafted. But what he did guarantee is he guaranteed himself an opportunity to make a team. He will be picked up as an undrafted free agent by somebody if he doesn't go in the seventh round. If someone is sitting there with all these picks late in the draft and they're like, you know what? We need some more depth at the running back position. We like this Master T guy. He looks like a Greek god. Let's take a flyer on him. I could see that happening. So we'll see. I mean, we have differing views here, all three of us. It'd be very interesting as the draft nears what kind of buzz we're hearing about Master T. But at least he now has some buzz where before he didn't have any. Now, who has a ton of buzz is someone who can't even be drafted, and that would be our quarterback, um, C.J. Stroud. Chris, I know you were chomping at the bit to talk about it. Go for it, man. Well, I'll tell you what. He did so many things here. First of all, next year when he has his pro day, he is going to be as relaxed as anything because he's already been through it once. Yes, the pressure wasn't necessarily on him for this one, but it was because his pressure was, I'm sure, was on there to make his receivers look good, and he did. Uh, you know, we we all we all saw how he finished last year. We all know the Heisman hype already going into this year. You know, I think that this kid is obviously went out there and he performed well. I just think overall. This pro day is going to prepare him for his next pro day, not to mention the way he's going to deal with the Heisman hype coming into this. Uh, I think that this, you know, actually is going to set the stage for what he is going to do this next season. And already there's been at least reports of one scout already saying, we would take this kid in the first round right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quote from an anonymous NFL scout following OSU's pro day was, I want to draft that QB 
right now. <laughs> Meaning he would be the number one quarterback taken off the board. Yes. In his opinion this year. Yes. So that just tells you what we have for the next year. Indeed. Um, I, I mean, I can't say enough about it. I'm, I'm, it just it gets me all pumped up to hype around this kid already. Uh, Nick, do you have any thoughts on CJ Stroud's performance? Uh, I'm, I'm first off, I'm thankful Ryan Day chose to let him throw in that oh, absolutely. pro day. Absolutely. I I think that that was a brilliant move on his part because again, these kids are going to know. Hey, Ryan Day's going to get me the NFL. Look what he did for CJ Stroud, letting him throw at the pro day because he could have totally just said, you know what? We're going to let 12 gauge do it. I, I don't want you throwing throwing on the pro day. But no, he didn't. He said, I'm going to help my wide receivers by giving them the quarterback they're used to. And not only that, I'm going to promote this kid. And it's going to help me when it comes to recruiting. Those are my two my thoughts on that. Nick, what do you think about CJ? Do you have any thoughts? Um, Yeah. And it's not, and it's, I mean, he had a phenomenal per, or phenomenal session, you know, throwing to Alave, Wilson, and everybody. Um, but my comment's more geared towards the, you know, GM. I At a point, first off, as a fan, it's great to know that our guy coming in is, you know, at least an NFL GM's mind, is an NFL quarterback, and the number one quarterback in the draft. Um, however, for CJ's stake, sake, I wish they would just kind of almost keep their mouth shut with that with those comments, um, just because that can inflate his ego oh, yeah. to a place we don't need that to be. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, football, unlike most sports, is a true team effort, right? You have to have eleven pieces on that field working in. Um, unison at all times for you to win a football game right and if one player is out there the most important player thinking more about his stats and you know this that what's going to look better to a scout and all this stuff that can throw off your entire team's chemistry and your entire team's goal and it could really throw off the entire flow of your offense and not do what you really want to do because one player is thinking about that. Not saying CJ is that guy. Please don't take it that way because I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that can happen to certain individuals. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you added that, Nick, because I was just going to say a lot of that comes from mindset. That comes from the mindset of the player. It's not what the GM did or did not do. It's the, how the player decides to take that, interpret it, and run with it. The player is the one who lets his ego get out of control, not the GM. You're, you're not I wrong. Think, I think that Ryan Day has this kid grounded enough to where I don't think it's going to be a problem like you mentioned, you know. But, yeah, I, I can see your point coming from coming from the standpoint of, yeah, some players, especially younger players, might might take it and misinterpret. Very good. All right, uh, let's talk Eric, about Coach Day. Yes. Before we get started on that, one other question. Yep. You mentioned it. I mentioned it a little bit. 12-gauge was out there playing a little bit, throwing, <laughs> throwing the ball around a little bit. Right. Do we think that he showed anybody enough to maybe get himself a gig on an NFL sideline side somewhere? No, but XF, no, but XFL. Yeah. He he was doing that really well in XFL. Well. 
He was doing really well in the XFL before it folded with COVID, and I would like to see him go back to the XFL and and try to rekindle some of that magic. Um, but I think I think the NFL, the way they look at this, is his time's passed, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan Day had an interview on Monday following the team's third spring practice. He's the only coach who interviewed with the media this week. Chris, I know you watched it. I watched it. Nick, not sure if you had the opportunity to watch that interview or not, but I'd love to get your guys' response from that interview. What did you take away from that interview, Chris, that you want to discuss? Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, first of all, 15 minutes of of the 30-minute interview, uh, you know, obviously was spent on Harry Miller. Right. Uh, and I don't necessarily have a big problem with that. Nope. Uh, you know, the fact that, that uh, Day came out and addressed the fact that, you know what, he's proud of Harry, the advances he's made. I think it was incredibly humbling of Day to, you know, take no credit for this. He wants to put all the, the credit for Harry's improvement with Harry, which I think is just a class move, even though, as we've, you know, stated in the past, he definitely had a profound impact on this young man's life. But also, you know, he, he came out and stated that Harry, you know, doesn't really have a role in the program right now, but he is part of the family. And, and something I thought was interesting, should he decide to unretire, he would be welcomed back. Now, why I don't think this is something that's even in play. I think it was good that he left that door open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, as he sh- as he should. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I didn't know what your thoughts were about the Harry Miller portion of the press conference. But I mean, can I be honest? I've, I've moved on a little bit as yeah, far as Buckeye news. I'm, I'm, and that's not to be – I don't want to think that people think I'm being uh, uh, insensitive to Harry Miller's issues or, or whatever. But, I mean, this was the media's chance to speak to Ryan since the announcement of Harry yeah. Miller and since uh, he had been on the Today Show. And so I understand why there were so many questions about it because they all wanted to hear what Ryan Day's take was on it. And I agree with you, Chris. I felt the coach's take on it was was professional, uh, a very grown up by by deflecting any praise for himself. There is a lot of college coaches out there that have taken would have taken that opportunity to pat themselves on the back by saying, yeah, he's alive because of me. There are quite a few of them that would have done that. Yeah, you know? But that's not that's not Ryan Day. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, another, another thing that just jumped out to me real quick before you, you know, they, they we talked a little defense. Yes. Uh, you know, are you going to are I you going to talk about them? Yeah, I thought it was a little, you know, a little interesting. We're really focused on that four three still. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We're going to start implementing pieces of that Knowles defense soon. Okay, you wanted to go with the Leo position, huh? So, yeah, that, that Leo position, uh, you know, I thought that was, you know, something that even though when asked what players were going to jump in there, you know, Dave, you know, kind of deflected that. Sure. But you know what? I think we already know because Jim Knowles told us two weeks ago. He kind of kind of mentioned that that's something that maybe a, a good position that Cade Stover could uh, 
kind of feel there? I feel there's a little bit of an internal battle happening happening for the services of Cade Stover. Don't I, you I don't among disagree. the coaches? I can see the tight like they they kind of all are like like I I see them like on poker night one night. <laughs> Getting around the table, and they're like, "All right, so I'll raise you one, Cade Stover. <laughs> if I win, I want Cade Stover. I'm not putting Cade Stover in the in the pile here. Like there, there, there's there might be a little. Uh, uh, I think, but here's the thing: Jim Knowles is going to put him where he knows he's going to play best. So, is it the Leo? Is it linebacker? Is it the hybrid? You know, I. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But I thought. You were going to go to Tyleek Williams. The, Which, the, yeah, that was on my notes to get. But, yeah. I, whew, that's, got, that's got me super stoked, man. Go for the it. Athleticism. The athleticism. You know, the fact that Day came out and said, this guy's one of the best athletes on the team. Yeah. In a 10-yard run, he can go out there and compete with the, you know, skill position guys. So that's, the, that's scary kind yeah. of speed. So the kind of the condensed quote is Tyleek Williams is in much better shape. Yes. He's all we always saw his athleticism. He's one of the better athletes on the team. He has improved his ability to sustain. The challenge for him is being strong and stout in the running game, play after play. So basically what he was saying was Tyleek's issue last year was he had energy for spurts. But he was it wasn't able to stay out on the field long enough because he wasn't in good enough shape. And so yes. now he is. So well, a, a year in yeah. next program will do that for you. There you go. There you go. So yeah, so, I'm, I was really excited about that as well. Nick, do you have any thoughts from Ryan Day's uh press conference that you'd like to speak on? Um I'm not gonna comment on on the fifteen minute Harry Miller um segment. Um I, the only thing I'll say about that is I like what Ryan Day said. Um, however, though, I think his first comment after the first question about it was perfect, and it, it could have been just left at that, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think there was a reason for the media to harp on harp on it for uh, 15 minutes. I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive to Harry Miller because, you know, what he is going through is something that is, you know, very, very serious, you know? Um, but I, but to me, that's that's a personal matter between him and who he wants to discuss it with. Now, yes, he did go out on today's show and talk about it, so that you know he invited that into himself. Um, but I think when Coach Day is coming after a practice, um, he answers a question perfectly about it. You know, sums everything up. You know, his first statement, and throughout that 15 minutes. He didn't say anything different than what he said in his first statement. Right. Yeah. You know, it was it, he repeated himself for 15 minutes. So, um, outside of that, the one thing I, I know you guys just talked about all these different player positions and all this stuff. The most important thing he said in that in, in that press conference was, "We are not being competitive." in practice on my offense against his defense. Knowles mm-hmm. is coaching the defense to get it right and to understand on a deep level of why in this defensive set, why we are running it, what you are supposed to do, what your angles are, and where all your gaps that you have to cover are for all the positions. And he said, 
there was one day of practice we ran the exact same defense throughout the entire practice. And that, to me, when you're that repetitive, especially this early on, is going to pay so much more dividends Sure. in July and going into August because you're going to – because you're installing your fundamental now. Now you go in depth way back, you know, when we're getting into summer camps. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's when you can then go, ooh, oh, now we got Kate Stover. You know, we have all these pieces. Now, how are we working these pieces? You know, because now our guys understand on a deep level of what we're doing. Where, how do we build this now to their abilities and what they understand best? And to me, that was the most important piece of that entire press conference because since we have won that national title, the 2000, and I'll say the 2015 season, outside of that 2019 Chase Young year with that defense, and we, the year we should have beat Clemson and probably should have won a national championship with Justin Fields, we haven't had a defense compared to that 2014 or 2015 defense. Nowhere 20, near. 2018 was close. Close. I, I, close, but nowhere near that where I knew going into every game our, what our defense was going to do. Good luck scoring against them. You know? These past, outside of that 2019, we were with Chase Young. I can honestly say I've had worries going every year is, can our defense get us enough stops to win us games? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's... I think what Knowles and Ryan are doing right now on the defensive side of the ball comes come July, August, and then those first three to four weeks of September, you're going to see what those first two to three, sorry, two to three weeks of September, you're going to see where our defense is at. Chris, did you have a response to that? I could hear you wanting to chime in there. No, no, sorry. Okay. Um, I think you're, you're right, Nick, but I also think that that's slight coach speech on not being competitive. I saw the video where the offense scored a touchdown. I think it was G. Scott in the back of the end zone, and I saw a, pr- a fiery – I think it was Jim Knowles just oh, getting it was. the thrill of somebody. Well – that's if pretty you, competitive. <laughs> but so I don't think it was – but see, I don't think it's the competitiveness of my defense is stopping your offense and winning this drill competitive. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the competitiveness of Jim Knowles of saying, come Notre Dame, that you can't make that mistake. You need to do it right and do it right now so that way come September when Notre Dame is in the shoe, you don't make this mistake. Yeah. And I think that's more or less what you were seeing and not more of, dang it, we lost this drill. It's your fault. You know, that type sure. of reaction. OK, I can I can agree with that. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Uh, all right. Very good, guys. Uh, we will have more of this coach talk, hopefully uh, in the coming week as we get more opportunities to listen uh, to the coaching staff respond to the media. Um, we got one more thing we need to talk about before we take our commercial break. I, for fun, posted a vi- – uh, well, first off, there was an article written about who was Ohio State's biggest – or second biggest rival. And I took that opportunity to throw a poll question out on Facebook. It's been a while since we did that. 
This was the most voted on poll question we've ever had, number one. And boy, were there some um, responses to this that I didn't anticipate. Here were your options. Notre Dame, USC, Alabama, Clemson as non-Big Ten teams. Big Ten teams of Michigan State, Penn State. And I also put other up there just in case there was someone I didn't think of. And, of course, there were three votes for other. And right away someone said, hey, you forgot Wisconsin. And I and that's what I think the other was representative there by the three votes that it got. Michigan State only got one vote, which surprised me. USC only got one vote, which surprised me because that was a big-time non-conference rival dating all the way back to the 60s, big-time. Alabama got six votes. Clemson got 11. So the combined Clemson-Alabama and USC ended up with 18 combined votes out of non-Big Ten teams. And Brian Olderding said, how in the hell are some people actually voting for Clemson and Bama since we played them a combined five times in the last 30 years? I thought that was a, a funny response from Brad. And then overwhelmingly... 145 votes. Penn State. Chris, your response to this uh, of voting, the results of the voting here, who'd you vote for and why? Give me your two cents on it. Okay, so this is a not an easy question, Eric. This is a complicated question. You know, you look back during the Trestle years, Wisconsin, I think, stood out clearly as the number two rival. You know, they played the Buckeyes to a 4-4 four and four record uh, during that time. You know, Urban Meyer, you move on to his era. He only lost nine games during his tenure at Ohio State, five of them to two teams, that being uh, Clemson, Michigan State. You know, Clemson owned two victories. I'm sorry, four of them. Clemson owned two victories over over uh, Meyer, as did Michigan State. Uh, you move to Ryan Day. He's only lost four games. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. We got a Clemson, we got a Bama, Oregon, and of course, most recently, that team up north. So you got, I think Purdue, you've got them who have been a great thorn on our side over the last 10 games. We only have a 6-4 and four record over Purdue in the last 10 games. Penn State plays Ohio State every year. Uh, and, you know, honestly... During the two decades of really irrelevance by that team up north, you know, they were the Buckeyes' toughest competition. But as some people have pointed out, how about Wisconsin? You know, we've played the Badgers 16 times since 2001. Three times has been for the Big Ten Championship. You know, yeah, Wisconsin only has a 4-12 and record against us during that time, and those four wins all came during the Trestle era. But you know what? Still, we see them a lot. Uh, you know, I, I think Penn State, obviously, the sexy pick, usually ranked when we do play them. Uh, they play the Buckeyes tough all the time. They have a great fan base, rocking stadium. Those wide-out games are just awesome to watch. But you know what? They're only 5-17 and 17 against us in the last 22 games, and they haven't beaten the Buckeyes in the last five seasons. Only won twice since 2009. Come on. Those are crying Jimmy-type numbers right there, Eric, and how much crap do we give him for it? So, yeah, I mean, Penn State, 14-22 all-time versus the Buckeyes. Not not great, obviously, not terrible. Some of those wins came in the first 10 games of the rivalry back between 1912 and 1924. 
A lot of those are Jim. Well, Joe Paul numbers. Joe Paul. Yeah. Joe Paul and uh, Cooper. Joe Paul kind of yes. had Cooper a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if there is a clear cut second rival. In my mind, I think I can understand the, the a lot of people's thinking with Clemson because that was the dragon we had to slay. Mm-hmm. After three consecutive losses, we had to slay that dragon. But it, we've yeah. done that now. Mm-hmm. And doesn't doesn't it feel like Alabama's kind of that dragon for Ryan Day a little bit? That's what my thought was. And, and I was going to take it to an extent of I don't know that we have a clear-cut number number two. Alabama, I kind of feel that way, is becoming that way. I almost want to say the SEC as a conference is Ohio State's number two. Because it seems like we've always got to prove ourselves versus that conference for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if you're going to ask me to name a number two among our conference schedule, I'm torn between Penn State and Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Penn State only because we do play them every year. Okay. It, so that that's my thought on it. Good thoughts, man. That was well thought out, Chris. Nick, what do you think on this thing, man? First off, we only have one rival. Let's just be clear about that. There's only one rival. And I don't disagree with you, Nick. There's only one rival. Let's just be clear and cut about that. Number two, there's there's only one fan base out there that I would accept them considering Ohio State their rival, and that's Penn State. Wisconsin can say the Wisconsin fan base can say what they want. Fifty nine and fifty nine to nothing, and three straight over them in the Big Ten championship game. That's not a rivalry. And I think we've won ten or eleven straight yeah. against them currently. Yeah, yeah, that's you know Wisconsin. No, Penn State is to me is the only one you could consider. Um, to be that if they want to consider us their rival, that's fine by me um, because they give us the best competition year in and year out, um, you know, in the in the conference outside of the team up north. You know, right. um, Wisconsin. I can remember one year, 2010, when we were ranked number one and we went in there with Terrell Pryor and lost, you know, Um you know they've they've been that type of a spoiler to us, like the Purdue. But I wouldn't consider that a rivalry like Penn State would be. Okay, um, Kevin Egan, who's our Penn State fan, who we bring on the show, he will tell you from their perspective as a Penn State fan, as a as a school, as a as a football team, they view us. As their number one hated rival, which is why I believe we get their very best game every time we play them. Now, they play Michigan and Michigan plays them very similarly to how we play Michigan State when it comes to rivalries Um, or Wisconsin. Like they're a rival but they're not nearly the amount of rival to us as the team up north. But to them, them being Penn State, we are number one, Michigan's number two in their rivalry. 
and they're they're supposed to be rivals with Michigan State. That's supposed to be who their rival is in the Big Ten. But it's so fake, it's not even considered that by them. They literally hate us the way we hate Michigan to a degree. I don't think they hate us as much as we hate Michigan, but you get my point. There's only one rivalry in all of sports where I could say the fan bases hate each other as much as we hate ours. Can I guess? Can I guess? Take a while. Yeah. Go Duke, ahead. North Carolina. Nope. No. Alabama, Auburn. Nope. I've do got not, it. Do Yankees, not say Red Sox. Do not say Yankees, Red Sox. Do not. I'm telling you right now, I've seen like, oh my gosh, videos, no. videos of like, like five to six hundred people brawls over the Yankees, Red Sox like rivalry. It's they, insane, man. You can't – I have such a hard time counting baseball rivalries as rivalries. I, I really do. I, I I understand it, man, but like when you're talking fan bases, like hating each other, like and hating their opponents, man, there's – like it's Ohio State, Michigan, and then Boston, New York. Oh, I don't know. I have to look into that. I have to find. So you tell me if I go on YouTube and look up Boston New York fights, fan base fights. I got. I'm gonna have good some good. No, yeah, you're gonna to have watch. A, you're gonna have some great. Watch I material. have been in Yankee Stadium for a few of those games. He's not wrong. That that's pure hatred. It like really I was, is. Like I'm telling you, and and it's and it's like. And, and I think it's just like the city of New York against the city of Boston because it's that way for like all their sports teams, you know, where like for us, it's our state against their state, whatever our states play in Michigan and we're, we're, you know, we're for the Ohio team, no matter what it is, you know. Right. And I and I think and that's how it is up there in New York. It's New York just versus it's the city of New York versus city of Boston. Mm. Where like where as you were talking to Eric, like Auburn, Alabama. That's a state divided, you know. Right. They gotta they gotta interact with each other on a daily basis there, you know. Um, and that's why like Duke, North Carolina, I guess, but I don't really see you know North Carolina people go, oh hey, that's cool, let's go out to the lake or something and ride our boats, you know. <laughs> well, that rivalry is gonna be a Final Four game, so which hey. I know you're gonna be surprised. Uh, uh, hey. you're gonna be uh, watching there, Nick. And, and everybody. And everybody, just take a listen at the last episode of Shots from the Shot because your boy called it. Hey, I still got Kansas in there. You know I what? I, I'm out of it. I'm rooting for <laughs> Coach K in this one. What? Yeah, I, I am absolutely hoping this man rides off into the sunset, cutting down the nets. I think if you want to ask me who the best coach in college basketball is right now, right now, he's he's coaching for Villanova. He's the best X's and O's coach in college basketball, hands down. Now, oh. right now, right now. Well, Jay, Jay Williams is a great coach. I don't disagree with you. Right now. I'm not talking like, you know, overall, if you say when you take into account everything, yes, Coach K is better. But what I'm saying is right now at this moment, if those two teams end up playing one another, Duke and Villanova, and they very well could, I, I'm going to say that if there's a chess match there, Villanova's going to win that thing. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, look, I I think there's the three – here's my three best coaches in college basketball right now. Um, the, the Kansas coach, 
um, Coach K, even though he is retiring at the end of this year, and, J- and Bayheim out of Syracuse. And then the Villanova K- coach, Eric. But, uh, man, Coach K just has so much experience. I don't think he would lose that chess match. Eric? I think he's just amazed at what you said, Nick. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I but I, but I, 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 I hate it. I I Bayheim, seriously, man. His two three zone is the greatest two three zone that's ever that's ever uh like been created. If you really watch it with like a three D like tr- like marker oh, it's, tracer. It's, it's great. You see it move just not. like a web. It moves I, like a Pentagon web. It's amazing. And how many national national titles has he had in the last ten years with that? Zero, but he had one back in two thousand and three. Three, okay. And I'm Carmelo. gonna say since since then, since then, Syracuse has not even really been relevant. Relevant, what it is, Eric? Yeah. Anyways, we're getting off the this. This is a football yeah. podcast. <laughs> Come back to shots for the shot Stop. for more of that good stuff, guys. But. uh I do want to say this, guys, um, real quick before we take our commercial break and we come back with a, a short little interview with uh, listener John Lynn. Um, spring game, tailgate, go to our go to our Facebook page and, and get the information. Saturday, April 16th at the spring game. We're going to be right outside the shoe in the northwest parking lot in Ohio, OHIO podcast listener appreciation tailgate starting at 8 a.m. We're going to be going until 10.30 a.m. And, and then at that point, we're all going to go into the to the shoe and sit as a big old podcast family. Us, our listeners, we're going to all be sitting together inside the shoe. Come out to the spring game tailgate, appreciation tailgate. We'll have free food prizes we're gonna be playing games uh chatting with one another i'll be cooking up some good breakfast food i know chris is coming i think nick you're gonna be there as well maybe chelsea come along she don't have to work uh we're gonna have a great time everybody and again it's absolutely free doesn't cost you a dime if you're planning on being at the at the spring game next month in april come out and be with us outside of the shoe in the northwest parking lot again right outside the shoe northwest so it's the uh closed side of the of the horseshoe uh, up by the bank where the, the bike trail will be. That's where we're going to be between uh, uh, the old basketball arena, St. John Arena, and the and the shoe. Um, I'll take a picture of her and post it that morning early on Facebook so you know exactly where our location is. Yes, Nick? The, the Rotundra entrance, not the open end for the fans. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we're going to be planning on being. And we're gonna set up a tent and, and everything else by and, and I'll, again I'll t- I'll post a picture early that morning on Facebook let you all see exactly where we're at so that you can come stop by and 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 have some breakfast with us and talk some Buckeyes and play some cornhole and we'll have music going it's gonna be a lot of fun so make sure you come all out to that all right guys we're gonna take a quick commercial break like I said when we come back we got a short uh, interview with John Lynn you're not gonna want to miss that. And uh, make sure you guys are staying tuned to everything we're doing here at the OHIO podcast. I know Nick will and Jason will have an NCAA uh, response and, of course, an end-of-the-year type of uh, podcast coming up for the Buckeyes basketball team as well. So not going to want to miss that. And uh, if you like sports movies, make sure you check out Varsity Videos with Chris and I where we rank and review 
all these sports movies. And we're working on our second year of the 64 Sports Movie Challenge. So a lot of good stuff from the OHIO podcast coming your way. Hang tight. We'll be right back, everybody. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast. I'm now joined by listener John Lynn. You might remember him from those of you who've been listening for a while. He uh, joined Aaron and I, uh, gosh, it's been a couple years ago, John, for several shows. Glad to have you back on the show, my man. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while indeed, but we're glad to have you. And, uh, man, I got to tell you, uh, since last time we talked, like a, like we were talking here before we started recording, it's been wild and crazy. But Ohio State, things just keep marching right on, man. They keep uh, right at it here in the spring ball and everything. But I want to talk to you about your fandom, uh, not only as a Buckeye fan, but uh, as a listener of the OHIO podcast. So let me start off with this question. Number one, how did you find us originally? Do you remember how you came across us? Uh, honestly, I just think it was through the, the the page, the Facebook page. I joined yeah. that first and then started listening to the podcast. You know what I mean? Especially, uh, you know, this was back when Urban, I think it might have been mm-hmm. right after they won the championship in 2014 or 2015, I think. there fiasco happened and everything and now we got ryan day what's your feelings about ryan day as head coach man he's a leader i mean you know here's the thing don't ever compare ryan day to urban meyer they're two different people the thing about ryan i could see that he's a, a coach day as i would say he's a leader that's and that's what you need right away i mean the recruiting and all that that's great and all but at the end of the day, you can have the best recruits and the best five stars and all that. But if you can't put it together, does it really even matter? Right. No, that's a good point. It, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you're underachieving at that point, you know? Oh, definitely. You know, and, you know, he's getting the flack about, you know, he's in the shadow of Urban because Urban never lost to Michigan, which, you know, the team up north. But at the same time, I mean, you know, come back to that day. It was a little shocking. Yes, it hadn't happened in a long time. Did I know that day was going to come? Yes, I did. Was I prepared? Yes, I was. So, you know, like I said, if anything, it's just make him better as a coach and better as a person. So, you know, like I said, I'm not losing any sleep at night knowing that Ryan Day's got our team. Uh, he'll have our team ready for uh, late August or early September. Yeah, it's a great point, man. You know, it was you're right. It was bound to happen. It was disappointing that it happened. But uh, the way the way they beat us, you could see this all the way back at the beginning of the year. We had major holes on that Morgan. defensive. Yeah, I, I was yeah. at that game. Yeah. We couldn't adjust at all. I mean, they ran the same play to the left side every single time. Couldn't adjust. But, you know, I think Ryan Aday has uh, – he himself has adjusted, and he's made those changes. And I'm excited about Jim Knowles and this defense that they seem to be um, gearing towards for the 2022 season. Um, about that, like what is your 
expectations this upcoming season? And as a fan, as a Buckeye fan, do you have those expectations? Do you adjust them from year to year, or or, or do you have the same expectations every year? I just, they adjust from year to year, but we're talking about one or two losses. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? So, uh, obviously, uh, going back to the point about Oregon, you know, I was more in shock about that game because of the way that, you know, the defense was just like – the thing is they just kept doing the same play over and over again. It's like, okay, this should be easy to fix, you know what I mean? But, yeah, um, you know, one or two losses maybe uh, there's those special years and there will be another special year. It's just a matter of – it's not even the superstars. It's the role players, the guys mm-hmm. – that the, you know, the four-year senior guy that's been around just – grinding away for four years and then he gets his opportunity and i think you know the assistant coaches like heartline you know they really make a huge difference i mean when you watch the draft here in a month i mean you're gonna see a lot of buckeyes going in the first round so i mean you're gonna see that and obviously with the quarterback no issues a little disappointed here and there but the guy's a freshman you know that's the thing eric I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago where reactions are quick and hasty more. Now I sit back and I understand these kids, they're not robots. They have mm-hmm. lives. They have families. They have school. So what happens on the field could have been affected by something that happened on Wednesday, a family member, a test. So you can't just put that perspective, you know, this guy, he, he doesn't know how to throw the ball or anything. Like you remember those couple weeks there, uh, they put what's his name in it against Akron, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah. you know, you know, but which was a good idea in a way because he got to play a little bit, you know, and just kind of shaking things up a little bit. But at the end of the year, you know, we've we seen what happened. So, yeah, you're talking about when Kyle McCord came in for yes. CJ Stroud that week. Yeah, yeah. that was uh that was an eye-opening, I think, for Ohio State fans in a lot of ways because there's a lot of people calling for uh, McCord to start over Stroud. And then when they, they got their wish, it was like, oh, that wasn't what we expected. So um, what, So going into the season, what, what do you think? I mean, early prediction, what do you think? Do you think we can go 12-0 and or do you think this is 11-1 and team or 10-2 and team? I mean, really, uh, it, it could be 12-0 and every year. It's just a matter of – the injuries, getting the, the young guys up to speed, which comes down to the assistant coaches and doing their job at that particular position. So, like I said, our offense was never a question. Obviously, we've losing some some great talent at wide receiver and and that, uh, you know, so that's, you know, but next man up kind of mentality is sure. the way yeah. I look at it. And you got a guy like Brian Hartline. It's like, okay, you know what? Ryan Day knows what he's doing. That's the other thing I love about Ryan Day. No disrespect to Urban Meyer. I like how he lets his guys do his thing. You never see him get in a panic mode or overzealous. And he just understands every situation. And then he'll get better with that over time. But, yeah, I, I, why why couldn't they go 12-0? and Why couldn't they win the Big Ten Championship? I mean, like I said, the talent's going to be there every year. So, right. I mean – uh, as far as, the, you know, and the quarterback is only going to get better unless he gets injured. But, you know, a lot of things come into play. I I always put that in the back of my head, you know, injuries, you know, and stuff like that. And, 
and hopefully with the pandemic stuff being over, we don't have to deal with that anymore. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, like I said, last year was a learning experience. We weren't going to win the championship. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, no, even though we lost. No, not you know, we've, we, you know, Alabama the year before, you've seen what Michigan happened to them, uh, you know, in the, in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, I'd rather not go in there and get embarrassed uh, in a playoff <laughs> because then you got all the haters. Congratulations to Georgia. Uh, all the haters saying, oh, you know, Ohio State's there again and they shouldn't have been there. And then they turn it into this Big Ten SEC competition. And that stuff just really, it really makes me angry because I don't go around rooting for Michigan when Michigan's in the Rose Bowl or whatever the case may be. I, that's not how I do things. Uh, but when it turns to the SEC, when their team's out of it, they're rooting for the other SEC team. It seems. Mm-hmm. Now you live in you live on the East Coast, right? I believe with I live North- in uh, Jacksonville, retired Marine. I live uh-huh. down here, Camp Lejeune. If you know where that's Beautiful. at, Aaron, you know, was in Fayetteville, I think, mm-hmm. over at Fort Bragg for a while. I know he's overseas or he's been bouncing around, but yeah, I mean, obviously going back to Ohio there. Financially, it's better to stay here. The weather's nicer. Sure. Nothing against Ohio. I love my roots. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, uh, it's just nicer down here. <laughs> so what part of Ohio are you from originally? Uh, I grew up in Akron. Akron. That's right. That you that I, I knew that. Um, so yep. um, I played have, against um, what's his name there for the Steelers. And he was a senior. I was a senior. Um, James Harrison. James mm-hmm. Harrison played at the rival high school. He was the linebacker, middle linebacker, and the running back, and he destroyed us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, give me your greatest Buckeye memory then, man. Oh, I think I did this before. I, I mean, as far as uh, – it's Maurice Claret with the – with the um, this, this with strip. The strip. Yeah, yeah, you got it, brother. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's funny that you you asked me that because the other day I was watching the you know I was just sitting there on YouTube. You know how it is. You just be watching stuff, and I got to see that strip, Miami versus Alabama. I think it was '92. It was I don't. It was the national championship. And a guy catches it on the sideline for Miami, and he's gone. And here comes this, I forget his name, but he just comes up and strips it and runs it back. I mean, he strips it right at the goal line. The wow. guy thought he was going to score. I don't know if you've ever seen that play, but, Mm-mm. you know, that really turned the tide. I mean, because remember that game, it was like we're staying in this game, mm-hmm. but you can just you can just feel that Miami was just about to explode and they just never really exploded. And those kind of plays kept us in the game. Yep. Now, is he your favorite Buckeye or do you have someone else? that? You're no. To? no, 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 no. Uh, Maurice, you know, if he would have played more years Obviously, you know, it really crushed me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but it it crushed me that, you know, he did what he did. And I understand. Like I said, you got to have perspective when it comes to things like that. The guy didn't came from nothing. You know, he was just trying to get paid. I get it. But at the same time, I just thinking about how greedy I was as a fan. I was like, we could get this guy back next year and get Krenzel back. But I would say Craig Krenzel because, like I said, that year was such a roller coaster ride, you know, with Purdue and some of the other games there uh, in even the following year, I think NC state triple overtime. Am I correct? Uh, I don't know the if it's year, triple, but 
Yeah, I think it was against uh, Philip. Uh, what's Philip Rivers? Rivers. Mm-hmm. I thought it was triple overtime. Maybe it was double overtime. But that game, obviously, the year after we won the championship, that was a, a crazy game there. So. Yeah, I actually. Yeah, got, I, would say I actually got married that day. Really? That's, yeah, that's, it was a terrible day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just don't let your wife listen to this. Okay? That was the first wife. It's all right. She hates me. Oh, always. okay, okay. Hey, man. I've been a one and doneer, but I get what you're saying. Hey, congratulations. Well, I, I waited until I was almost thirty. So I mean, smart move. Smart move. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, by the way, how's the little ones doing, man? Well, my oldest son is eight. He's eight now. He's, wow. He's in I'm third blessed. grade, and my youngest is five, and he'll be in kindergarten. And they both play football. I'm not sure if you have I nine up there. That's like a, it's like a national. Um, yeah, I've heard of thing. it. It's like, isn't it yeah. flag football? Isn't that yeah, what it, it is? is. Like, but, yeah. You know, at that age, they're just getting the concepts down of right, understanding right. teamwork and how all these plays work versus just throwing on the pads and not understanding anything and getting hurt. You know? What yeah. I mean? My stepson played flag football up until fifth grade, and this past year was the first year we let him put pads I think, on. I think he that's, begged I us. Think that's, <laughs> how old was he? About ten or eleven? Yeah, yeah. I think that's about the best time, you know, because situational awareness and understanding right. that. I think I started when I was seven, but that was like back when it's like, you know, we live in a different <laughs> yeah. society now. Very, guys, like, very much. Kill that guy. Kill him. You're like, what are we talking about? And the pads were like three times too big for our bodies <laughs> yeah. and stuff. So yeah. knee pads were around your shin. Tackle with your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm starting to feel that now. Oh yeah, my knees. I was a catcher, and man, my knees are just oh. destroyed. I, uh, I have the knees of a seventy-year-old man. It's not good. <laughs> but I hear uh, you, man. I mean, I did a lot of running in the Marine Corps. I mean, I'm not that bad. But you know, hell, you know, you talk about Buckers. Get the women's basketball team. You know, they're they're still national in champs. It. <laughs> yeah, well, the uh, hockey team's national champs. Yeah. Though. So the women's hockey team, and then I think the pistol team <laughs> won a national championship. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, in, in the women's. Uh, yeah, they're in the Sweet they're 16. Still, yeah, they yeah. got to play uh, number two. Who was that? I, I looked the other day. I was like, you know what? I might actually catch that game. You know, I'm not huge into that, not that I'm a sexist or anything, but it's just the fact that it's just one of those sports that it's like a niche thing, and like hockey can be, you know what I mean? Yeah. It could be a niche sport where it's just like, that's what you grew up with or, you know, your daughter plays basketball or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, John, I got to ask you here before we before yeah. we uh, head out, man. I, I got to know, man, what does it mean to you to to be a Buckeye? Uh, it means a lot because here's the thing. You're always defending yourself because whenever somebody sees you with a bumper sticker or a T-shirt, they're always coming up to question you about this or that. You know, it's just like being a Marine. You always want to be on your best behavior and you always want to represent the university. And that's what it means to me to be a Buckeye. I don't go up to these sloppy Michigan fans sometimes and and say things. Here's a perfect example. They beat us. They beat us fair and square. I didn't lose any sleep. Was I upset for an hour or two? Yes. But at the same time, I went and congratulated all my friends just like you did. You had to do the Facebook thing, I remember, you know, for the team up north. But I think it just shows you the class, being having a little class and not making a bunch of excuses and representing the university as if you went there. I never went to Ohio State. 
but I would represent it the same way if I did. So mm-hmm. I think that's what makes me a Buckeye being loyal and understanding and believing in the process. What I'm talking about with the process, it takes time. You can't be, you know, jump to the gun on everything and expect things to happen like that. Uh, perfect case, basketball team, you know, you know, they were playing very good, kind of fell off there at the end. But at the same time, you know, uh, with Holtman, people were like off with his head. You know, he's, he hasn't got us anywhere to me. That's not the right move. So being patient, I think that comes with being a fan. Uh, you know it, what it means to me. It, just all those things uh, put together, I think that that represents what being a, a Buckeye fan is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, beautiful. Love the answer. Yeah, all <laughs> that right. was my political. <laughs> That's, I'm going. I'm gonna run for governor. There but you it, go. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, you know, I love you guys. No, I haven't heard from Aaron in a while. I'm not sure what's going on with him, but I Aaron just, is kind of MIA at the moment from yeah. us because of what's going on overseas. I had a feeling. So, I a feeling, uh, so I know. he sent sent us a message that basically said I'm gonna be um, I'm not gonna be able to come on the show for a while. I can't really tell you why, but it's you know yeah, it's one it's last marching order, buddy. Mm-hmm. You're a Bengals fan, if I'm correct, right? I, yeah, closet Bengals fan. That's right. <laughs> I was rooting for you guys so hard Thank in the you. Super Bowl. You know, obviously a couple plays here and there, but, you know, another year, maybe another sweep. I don't know. I'm a Browns fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate that coming from uh, from someone who uh, hey. likes the dog pound. So, you know, you it's guys, you guys will get your Super Bowl, hopefully. Uh, we're, o, right, we're 0 for 3, got, man. 0 for 3. And, and 0 for 2 against the same team. But hopefully <laughs> you guys can get – I mean, Joe Burrow's the guy. He, you got the right guy. Got He's Mox. from Ohio. He, yeah. he, he represents very well. You know, so the way I look at it, I'm not a Bengals fan, but in a perspective way, when they're playing well and the Browns aren't playing, I'll go ahead and um, – root for them i got a lot of friends who are browns fans and so if they ever make that super bowl you better believe i'll be you know what they say eric misery loves company <laughs> there you go there you go all right everybody Thanks, we gotta brother. head on out of here so be kind to one another i owe someone's oh in st carmen ohio with all your heart and until next time john oh i owe go bucks oh come let's sing oh Hios praise and songs through Amamaterain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show. How firm thy friendship, Ohio.
Nelson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.